this is the Meaning Printer Podcast, and I'm your host, Stephanie Ward. I'm a business and marketing mentor for meaning printers who want to create a prosperous business. Hello, everyone. It's Stephanie Ward of FireflyCoaching.com, and I'm here today with the fabulous Anne Scott of Girl Gone International and many other things. Welcome, Anne. Thank you. So happy to join you here. I'm thrilled to have you. And before we dive in, I want to read your bio because it is super impressive. So let me just put my glasses on here. Ann Scott is the founder and CEO of Girl Gone International, the world's largest online and offline community for international women. On a budget of zero, Girl Gone International has scaled to over 250 local hubs in 80 countries, 750,000 members, 25,000 events, and a team of over 1,000 and a monthly organic reach of up to 20 million. That's right, 20 million. So <laughs> tell us, how do you do that, Anne? How did you do it? <laughs> okay, I have to go. I don't know any of the answers. Bye. Sorry. <laughs> question. I think, first of all, we have to put in contact this is over the course of 10 years, actually now 11 years. So I always think when you're looking at what other people have done, like never judge yourself just against that. You can just get Great it point. in context. So Good point. it was 11 years ago now, and it was very, very slow in the beginning. And mm. I think it's that old thing that people say is like, it took me many years to be an overnight success. Right, <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, so it's, yeah, that's where we're at today. And we're still growing and I think because we managed to scale our mission and it resonates with so many and it does so much good mm. for other women out there. So it kind of works in the system like people really benefit from it and then they want to pay it back. And okay. so yeah, that's how we've grown right across the world. And also because we are international by nature, it's very easy for us to grow internationally and expand geographically because the women in our community literally get up and walk and move countries. I would say like, go get international blue legs and just walked right across the world. It flew right across the world because when people were in a community, maybe in Hamburg or Amsterdam, and then after a few years, they would naturally move because it's very transient by nature of community. Right. They would say, oh, hey, like, I love the community. Can I open it in whatever they're going to Vilnius? They're going to New York. And so I was like, yeah, sure. So we just made it easy for them to open it wherever they Next. That's a brilliant model. And how did how did it all begin? Because did you haven't had a budget? So is it just word of mouth? Did you use email? Like what was your strategy? Were you the face speaking or how did you get the word out? Yeah, so to go back 11 years, it was really me just fulfilling a really personal need. So I was in Hamburg, it was my 10th city move in 10 years, and I was in an absolute miserable marriage that I wanted to get out of, but I didn't know how to. So I felt very stuck, very isolated. And I was in a city where I didn't really speak the language very well. I didn't have any support network and I didn't have any friends. And yeah. so I was like, how am I going to get myself out of this situation? And when you don't have someone to talk to, you just kind of live in your own world, in your own bubble, when you live overseas even more so. And so I was like, oh, I just need to find a friend, basically. It's just this thing kept going to my head that I just need to find one friend, just one friend, one friend. And so I think one night, I don't know why, I don't know why that particular night, but I just went online and started to kind of go on Facebook and it was actually meetup.com was big at the time, not so much now, and just started to reach out to other women who looked like they had a foreign name living in Hamburg. And I was right. like, hey, 
and no, it's like, will you be my friend? It was more like, hi, <laughs> like, um, I'm kind of new in the city. I know it's a bit weird that I'm reaching out directly, but if you want to, do you want to meet for a coffee? And honestly, I didn't get many great responses because people were like, who's this weird girl? Like, just right. randomly messaging me and asking me, is this a date? <laughs> so, and what I realized, that, oh, it was a bit less weird if it was a group of us. And so what I did was not say like, hey, do you want to meet for coffee one-on-one? -on -one? I was like, hey, do you want to come? And a bunch of us are going to meet at this time and place. We'd love it if you join. So I realized very from the beginning that the power in already being a community, like being um, bigger than myself was yeah. going to be important. Um, and so, and it wasn't really that difficult at all because as soon as I started saying, hey, I feel a bit lonely in the city. I don't know anyone. I'm new here. I've got no idea how the city works. And so many other women were like, me too, me too, me too. So as soon as we had that kind of connection, it was really easy to come together, like women from all over the world, from different countries, cultures, languages, age groups, and just sit in one room and immediately have that sense of connection and just intrinsically understanding one another in a situation we are, we're in. So it was very easy to become friends very quickly. And it's basically that sense that that friendship has been at the core of Yoga International, and that's basically what's powered us the last 11 years and got us right across the world is just women being friends with one another and helping each other out. I love it that you it came from a solving your own personal problem. That's how many so so many great ideas and businesses emerge. It's just yeah. you trying to make a solution for yourself and that and it, so after yeah. that first um, meetup, then when when was the moment where you came up with the name and then how did you like start putting the word out or what was the, how did you yeah you I know you're an expert at scaling. So how did you take this idea and scale it? Yeah, so it was called in the beginning like Hamburg International Women, which was great when you're in Hamburg and you right. want to be to get international women. But when you move to Amsterdam, you can't really call it Hamburg International Women. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, mm, I'm going to have to think of another name that kind of transcends the city. Um, and because I wanted to keep the community in Hamburg, but I was moving to Amsterdam. Actually, it wasn't even me that moved first. It was a couple of our members. One met, did move to Amsterdam, one went to Madrid. Oh. And I think one went to Cape Town. And they were like, by that time, I think GGI was maybe 18 months old. And we'd been running a lot of, lot of events because also at the time, there was nothing there for women living overseas or find a safe way to connect with one another. Yeah, so what happened from Hamburg, we were about the 18th month, and then some members started to move away, they moved to Amsterdam, they moved to Madrid, to Cape Town, and to the other cities, and they came to me and said, look, the community is such a big part of my life, it's how I met my friends, it's how I found my apartment, it's how I got my job, it's all these things to me, can I recreate it in this city that I'm moving to? And so I, of course, said yes. At the time, I had no idea how <laughs> we were going to do this. But the first thing I knew we had to do was to change the name because Hamburg International Women would sound weird in Madrid or Amsterdam. And so I really spent a lot of time thinking, like, what, what we'd call ourselves, what was a collective name, what was something that people would identify with or would recognize if they'd never been part of the community before. And so, again, keeping it in context, this was 2013. And so I was significantly younger <laughs> then also. So um, people would ask me, like, are you an expat? And I'd be like, no, I don't like that word. I don't identify with it at all. Are you a traveler? And I'm like, well, I do travel, but it's not how I live my life. It's not, I'm not a traveler by lifestyle. I don't have that much money to just jump in place and go on holiday or to explore the world. I'm just a girl who's gone international. 
And so because that's how I explained my lifestyle, that's kind of what stuck. And yeah, so I just basically started to brand the community that way. And so the name, the branding really became so important to the community because what was important is that if you're in any city, even at the time when it was small, I wanted people to know that we were part of the same community. So if you're in Hamburg or Amsterdam, and then it starts to go to New York and other cities, I wanted people to be able to find it and identify it and know that we were one, that we were the same community. So the branding side of it became really important. And I think branding when you're scaling as well is extremely important. There's a sense of shared identity. Mm. And so, yeah, I really focused on the branding side of it, the name. And then it was more like, how can I help women recreate what we've created in Hamburg? And then it was quite small, so it was very easy for me to do this one-on-one. -on -one. So I would have a really close relationship with the person who was opening the community. And I would just basically pass on all my knowledge. Like, I didn't want them to make all the mistakes that I made in my, like, experience opening the community. I was like, well, why, why make the same mistakes again? Let me tell you all my F-ups and <laughs> let's avoid them. Yeah. Um, and so I was able to kind of guide them through the process and the journey of opening a community. And yeah, so that's kind of how it worked. And then as we grew, it wasn't possible for me to do it one-on-one -on -one anymore as much as I think that I should have been able to. It's just not possible or that I could have done because I think I'm superwoman. It's not true. Like, it just wasn't possible. So I started to get creative with ways of how can I be in many cities at one time? How can I help as many people as I possibly can at the one time? And that just brought me back to... I don't know, I think maybe the, the knowledge I gained at university. So I was quite happy that it turned out that this degree that I thought I got in international economics, I thought was a complete waste of time. And then 10 years later, it turned out, oh, it was actually quite useful. <laughs> and you have to scale uh, an organization. And so putting in lots of um, processes and procedures in place um, to make it possible to go anywhere in the world and open up a community of their own. So like you created like operation manuals and... Yeah platforms and documents exactly that exactly that so we centralize a lot of it so the branding was centralized the onboarding and recruitment of community managers although we never recruit we wait until people come to us because then they're motivated in the right way and um, but we'd centralize a lot of those operational side of things and also the things that are hard to do I didn't want it to be hard work for anyone I wanted them to love it to enjoy doing it because for me, that's retention as well. I don't want people to burn out fast or think, oh my goodness, there's so much work. I just want to meet friends. And so I tried to like take off the heavy work and centralize all that part of it. So like setting up the community and the social media side of it as well, the creative part, like we centralized that. So we had like one Facebook page, again, in context, this is now 2013, 2014. And I don't think even Instagram was kicking around at that time. I think it was just starting out in maybe 2013. Um, but we decided that we would do that as in one central location so that the community managers locally can focus on what's important, which is creating the meetups, creating the events, bringing people together, connecting them, and uh, helping women make friends and feel at home. And this is, so everyone's doing this voluntarily, which is amazing, right? No one's getting paid, including no. you. <laughs> no. <laughs> And I love it what you said so much that you don't recruit, you let people come to you because they're motivated yeah. and then making it easy for them so they stay. That's that's so powerful. But is that part of the model? Is that because it, it, no one's making money and everyone's doing it for the love of it? Does that keep everyone going? 
I really think it does. I think I have seen this as well. Like I work a lot with other community leaders and I'm kind of in those circles with people who have on purpose or accidentally become community leaders and created huge communities behind what they're doing. And what I've seen is the moment that they introduce like a payment system where you're paying people to do this work, then it changes, first of all, the nature of the relationship between you and the community leader. And then also changes the relationship of the community to the community members. Mm. It just changes the whole entire dynamic. So it was a decision I made really early on was to forego any kind of money making opportunities, not rewarding people with cash. But what I don't know, I think even for me, it's a personal thing. Like I was never motivated by money for all that everyone says I should be for all that sometimes I'm kicking myself that I'm like 42 and <laughs> never made big strides into like making big money. But I'm just like, I just think there's like so much joy and richness and reward in other things that are not necessarily money related. Not to say that you can't make money and I'm happy to address that later on. Um, but for this, for something that's so purpose-driven, so mission-led that you do with meaning and love because you want to help one another, then I try to keep that as people's motivation. And so if I was like paying someone to do this job, then it's a job. I don't want this to be a job for anyone. I don't want this to be work. Even though of course it's work. I want it to be more you do it because you love doing it because you're gaining a lot because you're making friends. You gain a lot of satisfaction from helping other people. And it's not a selfless act <laughs> either. So right. It's like people think if you're a volunteer, like, oh, they're so saintly. They're so, no, like you have to be honest with yourself. Like you do what you do because you enjoy doing it. If you don't enjoy doing it, please don't do it. <laughs> it's kind of my motto and there's so much to gain personally from giving and from helping and being of service to others and so i think that's more the ggi model is that in helping others we're helping ourselves and i think we're very transparent and honest about that and i will say as well like the moment that you should stop being one of the leaders or organizers in the community is the moment you don't need the community as much as the community needs you so i just think you really need to have the community you need to find friends you need the community yourself and the moment that you don't is the time to move on right. and so that's to keep that model pure and true we need to keep money out of it people need to be doing this for the right reasons and leaving for the right reasons as well and then like i said it's just because they're not rewarded in money or i'm not rewarded in money it's not doesn't mean i'm not rewarded in other ways like i have the most happy fulfilling life with the most amazing people and amazing experiences and then I can monetize my skills that I've gained as a result of building the community so when community leaders are building community um, they are learning so much about other humans about management about event organization about social media about community management community building really powerful important skills in today's market so they can take those skills into their career or they can create a business by using the skills they've acquired or even the networking contacts that they've built naturally and authentically over the years in the community. Mm -hmm. So it's like really, for me, it's a very beautiful relationship and a very sort of beautiful way to to work and to grow. Yeah, I mean, that that's so, so true. Not all rewards are financial. And, you know, when you do give, you do get. So that's a, an amazing, yeah. everyone's, everyone's benefiting in one way or the other from these networks. Um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about um, how you could, um, because most of the listeners, I think, well, many of the listeners are running profit-based businesses, so um, there is money involved, but if you can 
talk to us about how you could apply some of the strategies, the marketing strategies used to grow GGI that um, other for-profit businesses could pick up on? Yeah. I can actually give a tip in the sense like a lot of small businesses want to work with Gilgan International, with GGI, or partner, but they do it in the wrong way. Okay. <laughs> so I would love to share with small yeah. business owners how to work with communities, like how to tap into them. And it really is about participation. And so most of the time, if you're a small business and you go into a community, you're kind of very quickly flagged up as a, a self-promoter or a... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it, and that's not fair because we all want to help each other. And like, if I'm friends with small businesses and I want nothing more in the world than be able to support them and I want to spend my money on them. And, and so I get frustrated when we can't just do the adverts in the community or the social media because it detracts from our mission and our mission is friendship. And so we have to be very, very tight to our mission. Otherwise, um, it just gets derailed. Mm -hmm. And so the communities are for um, friendship only and where we can we will obviously support everyone in, in their endeavors and find ways to do that so we have like a shout out post so people can kind of put things underneath there like their adverts and do their self-promotions and we just like structure it that way um, and also we work in synergy with other communities that focus on small business and promotions and advertising etc that way but I always think as a small business owner like what to do is just genuinely show up mm. and help out because for me, like networking, it's got a bad rap, the name, but really if you, the most successful small business owners I see is that they do very naturally and organically and authentically. Like they don't just jump in like a stranger going, here's my business, bye, bye, bye. No, <laughs> um, they very, they're the part of the community. They, they give, they show up, they participate, they help um, other women out. And so again, it's coming back to that symbiotic relationship. There's, give and take, really nice reciprocal um, culture. And um, so that's what I always want to say to small business. It's what we actually do say to people. And they, if they say, oh, but why didn't you let my advert in? Or why didn't you let my post in? I'm like, we can't let it in there, but we can let you in our community. Come physically to events. Like don't come and like sit, give your business card out. No, just come as you because I want to buy from you. I don't maybe, your product's almost secondary to you. But if you come and you're and I'm connected to you and we're just in the same circle in the same community, of course, I'm much more likely to purchase from you. So I'm just very um, mindful when I'm talking to friends of small business. I'm like, just please just show up, just go there. And I know there's only so many hours in a day, but even build that into your strategy. So if you only have eight hours in the day, just say, okay, well, per week, I'm going to turn up to two events in person. And even, of course, with COVID, it might have to be online. Right, <laughs> right. It's, it's a much more slower approach, but it's much more natural and organic. And it really complements any other kind of social media strategy that you might have is just showing up and being like a, a, a human, oh <laughs> like a gosh, real person. So much. Everything, every word you said is just music to my ears. That is exactly my approach as well. So just being human, being sincere, being authentic. I like to say, if you don't like the word marketing, replace it with connecting because yes. it's the same thing. Yeah. And just, oh, such good advice. Show up, and show up. Yeah. Know, and, and tell your story. I think as well, the other way to, that we allow kind of 
self-promotion or whatever you want to call it, um, is come into the community and tell your story, share your story, put it in context for it, put it, frame it. So if you're in a community, especially like for, well, let, we're talking about GGI, so let's talk about GGI, for women overseas and you've started a business, we're all fascinated by that. We all want to hear more. I want to know like what inspired you to do that? How is it going? How can we help you? Um, tell me how you even managed to legally set up a, a business here, how you do your accounts, how do you, we all want to know that, but if you just come in and put like a advert to your service, where's the story, where's the context? You come in and share your story, a little bit of your journey. So how your Gilgan International Life is taking you to this, this city where we're all sitting for whatever reason at that point in time and tell me your story. And then for, by all means, put your website or share your business there because it's in context of a, your story. I wanna hear your story. Um, and so I think this is always something that I really wish more small business owners would do is like, don't be scared to share your story. Like it's the most powerful marketing tool you have <laughs> is your story. Yeah. And so, and if you don't know how to tell your story, learn how to tell your story. I think this is a really important thing because I had to do that as well. Tell us is, how you did that. Tell us how, because I know everyone knows storytelling is so important. And I love how you said the context, but tell us how you learned because you said you had to learn. Where, where did you go? What did you read? What did I you messed learn? by messing up over and over and over <laughs> <laughs> by telling terrible stories until somebody took me aside and like, hey, Anne, uh, I'm going to tell you how to tell your story. <laughs> and it's funny because just randomly last night, I was just clearing out some files and I found the first story that I kind of wrote about my story, like how I was going to share it. And it was for, I won't mention who it was, but it was like a large organization. And actually it was in Amsterdam when they called me to do this. I just remember very clearly. And it's the first big talk I've ever been invited to do. So, and they were like, just don't worry, just, just share your story because we're building a community around our organization. It was a nonprofit. It was for a chronic illness. Just come and tell your story. And so I arrived in Prague and I got there and I saw the big poster and it said at the top, keynote speaker and Scott. And I was like, what? I was like, this is absolutely, oh, it was just one of the worst moments <laughs> ever. But I was like, who am I? I was like, who am I to be the keynote speaker? I was like, guys, come on. Like, you, sh you could have tried a bit harder. <laughs> I was like, why? And it turns out eventually it's because a lot of the, the people at the conference of this organization um, had been a, a part of, of GGI and they benefited oh. from it a lot of it. I just didn't realize. I thought it was like super random. Okay. And, they, um, and I got there and I thought it was like a 20 minute talk. So I had a little quick 20 minutes prepared and then it said 90 minutes. And I was Nine like, zero. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is not good. And it was also when the first travel I'd ever been on with my partner it was literally the first time we'd ever like traveled together. I think we're going to be together for a few months. Anyway, so what I did is I sat in the hotel room for like the day previously and I wrote like 90 minutes worth of story, but it was like this twisty, turny <laughs> tale. It went everywhere. And I just remember seeing Juan in the audience and it was the first time he'd heard me tell this life story. And, he's, and I was like, oh my goodness, I don't think he'll want to date me after this because it just went on forever. It had no structure. It was very disconnected. And it was very hard for me to relate it back to the people in the audience anyway. So it was just, after those 90 minutes, also I remember I had like a grey top on and the sweat patches I had because my photos was just like a terrible, just not good, oh, no. not good. But um, so I think sometimes you have to kind of hit rock bottom or just be, or, or to be 
clear that you're no good at something and just be honest with yourself. I was like, I am not good at telling my story. I am not good at public speaking. Um, I need some help. And so luckily at the time I was actually being mentored. And so I think having a mentor is very, very important. And he'd been working with like nonprofit organizations and he'd done a lot of training himself. And he's like, okay, send me what you've got. And he basically edited the whole entire thing for me and gave me some pointers. But then I had to rewrite it maybe at least 15, 16 times. And I still rewrite it now. I still constantly improve it to make it sharper, to make it tighter. Sometimes you have to twist a little bit to, for your audience mm -hmm. as well, because I think people are always looking for themselves in your story. They're always sure. looking for how to, uh, uh, they're either looking for themselves or they're looking for a lesson or a takeaway. And so I think when you're telling your story, I always keep that in mind, like what's, what, what am I trying to say about myself and convey about myself? That's kind of secondary. It's like, what am I asking them to see in me that they have in themselves? What can I teach them that I've learned the hard way that they can learn quickly via me? What value am I bringing? What's the point of my story? What's the value of my story? And what, because if somebody listens to your story, they're investing a lot of time. Yeah. So, so what value can I give them via telling my story? So I think there's a lot of resources out there. There's yeah. loads of things, even if you get like TED Talk books, you can look at YouTube, there's tons of courses, get a mentor, somebody's experienced in this, and just be very conscious that you're going to have your precious life story ripped apart. And, <laughs> and so you have to be like comfortable with that, be ready to be vulnerable, and things that you think are very, very interesting, fascinating, other people do not find interesting or fascinating, and things that you think are super boring and run of the mill, other people will tell you, wow. And so it, it's, it's just a very interesting exercise to embark on if you have a small business or in, or in, in any in yeah. any work of life. I think that's excellent advice. And there are there's Toastmasters International, of course, and mm -hmm. loads of books. I'll include some links um, on the post with that. And just for anyone who's curious, when you said that you were afraid maybe one doesn't want to keep dating you, they're still together, people. Um, <laughs> they're getting married, so it worked out. The story did not send Juan running. <laughs> no, it didn't. I think my story started off with, I'm the, I'm the child of a lesbian nun and a physics teacher. <laughs> That's like my <laughs> story started. It's a, it's a good start. <laughs> yeah, it started off well. It went downhill from there. <laughs> I, could never, I could never live up to my opening sentence. <laughs> That's so good. Okay, so just to recap that, um, and then I have one last question for you. So the two big takeaways I got are show up and do that in person or online, however you can, as often as you can, and then really invest in learning how to tell your story and tell it well and tell it from the other person's point of view. So yeah. the last question is, um, because you consider yourself a meaningpreneur, someone who finds their work meaningful and makes a difference for the, the people in your community, what is it that you love the most about being a meaningpreneur? I think by the nature of the word, word it, it means you live a meaningful life. So if you think, I think if you do everything with meaning, you're going to have a happy life regardless. Happiness doesn't always mean for me like, oh, I'm so happy every single day, but it means that I'm at peace, that I'm not wrestling with myself, I'm not suffering in any way that when I get up and have to do work and sit in front of my computer or do long days, that there's a there's purpose in it, there's meaning in it, there's a reason for doing what I'm doing. And so my why is really strong and that drives me through even in the hard days. And it also pushes me to create as well. So if you do work that's meaningful to you and to others, you will constantly evolve and innovate and improve 
And yeah, it just keeps you doing what you're doing and living a life that you love and doing work that's meaningful. And I think that's extremely important way to live your life. Wow. That was beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing all your amazing stories and tips and advice. And um, we'll include links to Girl Gone International in the post. And thank you so much. And it was a real pleasure to talk with you. Oh, it was fun. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening. And for even more business and marketing tips, be sure to check out my blog and get a copy of my free special report seven steps to attract more clients in less time at my website fireflycoaching.com make it meaningful